Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. The former Arkansas Razorback baseball player, Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Tyler Questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell Ferris Fane. D1Baseball.com editor, Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star, Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 226 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast. Live from the Heinemann Services Studios, I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes. And whether you're listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum, we appreciate you coming to spend some time with us. If you're on one of the forums, if you could be so kind, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcast, if you could be so kind to leave us a five-star rating and written review to help us continue to get our name out there and reach more people. We're brought to you by Bet Online. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021-22 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's good to be back with you guys after a little hiatus here in the first seg. We will talk about the latest updates, mainly regarding the Mississippi State game, of course, coming off of a bye week for the Hogs. And then in segment two, Coach Cabo goes more in depth with Stefan Kreisnick from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal to preview the game. And guys, a lot has happened since the last time we were on. Early last week, we had all the drama unfolding with Nick Smith, Smith Jr., the number six rated overall prospect basketball prospect for the 2022 class, of course, committed to the Razorbacks. Him being ruled ineligible by the AAA only to be reversed a few days later after everything had gone public. And then on Wednesday, it was reported that Arkansas softball has anywhere from a top five, and I'll let Porter get into this a little more, but anywhere from a top five class, I I think I saw a couple of threes and fours in there nationally for 2022. And also with basketball coming up, the guys have already played two exhibition games and the girls had a media day, which uh, also... I'll give Porter the floor for on that because he was involved with. But I want to start off with this Nick Smith stuff first. And we won't spend a whole lot of time on it because it happened over a week ago at this point. But all I'm going to say is we won't go into the major details. Porter, I just want to get your take on it. But I think that the one overwhelming opinion that we have on this is that the AAA just needs to become more consistent. I I know that that's pretty much where I stand on it. I did an article. I did a couple articles over it when uh, it all came out that he was ineligible and then he was was reinstated. I guess you could say uh, named eligible again. And so really more than anything, I just want it to be more consistent because we see this year in and year out. You can talk about the private schools. You can talk about whatever. But I think consistency is what most people just want right now. 
Yeah, it's, it's almost like you can compare it to the NCAA. It's like they want to pick and choose on on what's going on. And it, what baffled me is they made such a big media deal out of it. You know, he's ineligible and all this stuff. And, you know, I've I seen, you know, people was going back and forth on it. I mean, but why let him transfer, suit up? I mean, he was in – they were taking team photos. They're two weeks away from the stadium – or the, the season – and now they're now they want to say something about it. It's it just had just nastiness written all over it, and it's just people. Why are they? You know, well, he's going over there for an athletic advantage, and it's just crazy. Like, just let the, the kid play. I mean, and you're making a big deal about it when he wants to go to another school and play. You let him transfer, and then all it took was some signatures. Like that's all when it, when it was all said and done. This was over just a couple of signatures getting on a piece of paper and the very next day it was. So it's it's almost like, did they just want the publicity? Did they want to try to stir things up just to get attention on them? Because, you know, like we've always said, some people think whether it's bad publicity or good publicity, it's still publicity. So it was just, it was a very surprising deal, the timing right before the season started. And then again, the next day, there was so much heat. They're like, okay, we're going to sign the papers. So I just, from all sides of it, AAA, who, you know, the, the schools that were, you know, producing allegations and then North Little Rock as well. It was just, you didn't know what was going on. It seemed like everybody was pointing fingers at one another. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing for me because Rocktown, who I, one of the forums that I cover high school sports through, we did their pictures. Of course, Jason did all the pictures and video, a lot of great stuff on there. If you haven't checked it out already, go check this out on the Instagram page, Rocktown Sports. I, it was crazy because I, I did an interview with Nick and Kalel Ware, the Oregon commit, and there wasn't any hesitation when I talked to Johnny Rice, their head coach, about it. I said, hey, you know, Jay's going to be doing this. Is it cool if I stop by and get a couple interviews, just get an update to, to put out there? There, he was absolutely okay with it. As soon as I got there, he called the guys over there. We did the interviews real quick. I was on my merry way on to do something else. And then it was like the next week of really six days later that everything came out. But it really brought me back to my junior year of high school. Joe Adams transferred from Little Rock Parkview and came to our school. Like I went to CAC, a private school, so take that as you may. Um, he came over and like the day that we started fall practice, and I'm just thinking about now things were a lot different back in 2006, but I'm just trying to think about what if that would have happened now? He wasn't quite the play. It, Joe had not quite blown up yet. People knew who he was, but this was before our junior year when he really became a, a known name in the state, him and DeAnthony Curtis, depending on what poll you looked at were the number one player in the state for 2008. But I was just thinking about like, if, if this would have been that 2006 moment would have been now, what kind of stuff that that would have been about. But the thing is, is we see kids do this all the time. And so, again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I just thought that we would make a statement on it. I thought it was just a uh, really interesting scenario. But we got Well, well one, one quick thing before we, we, we break, and I mentioned this, is like with all this talk and scrutiny that the private schools get for recruiting, you know they were sitting back just eating this up because this is happening to a public school. And, and they're wanting to give private schools this, you know, competitive advantage where some schools are forced to move up again and down. So I just thought that was funny that because, you know, teams like PA and Shiloh are, were just sitting there just eating that up. 
Yeah, and I could, being from a private school, I went to elementary and high school, but in both private school, went to a Baptist elementary, Church of Christ High School, and watching Nashville win state my sophomore, junior, and senior year when we had a really good team too. PA had actually PA had moved up to five A, I guess at that point, but. Yeah, there's, I could go on and on all day about that stuff. But, you know, we'll, we'll save that for another time. But we're yeah. going to some women's sports here. Now, I know that softball was uh, honored with uh, some pretty high rankings for their 2022 class and also for their 2023. I don't really know if that one's out yet. But I'll let you go into this first, and then we'll talk about some of the uh, Women's Basketball Media Day. Yeah, the per extra inning softball, you know, they they gave them the number one class out of the 22 class. I mean, very, very talented class. Uh, the you know the twenty three is not out yet because they can't really uh, officially sign. I know that a few have verbally committed, and they've had some people come up to Fayetteville and do some uh, official visits. But we won't find out until mid November on the twenty three class. But man, that that twenty two class that's coming in. I mean, Coach Stifles. I mean, is just getting these kids to come in and just buy in. It's like that whole university up there is just bought into everything that goes on to that athletics. And you've talked to all the, the girls that are coming back, you know, that wanted to come out, Lenny Malkin and, you know, Gibby, all those girls, it's just, it, it starts at the top. Hunter, what Hunter Juracek has done in going to the soccer games, going to the volleyball games, going to the softball games, him being there and in the infectious presence, like Coach Pittman is one of Coach Dyfel's biggest fans. He texts her after every single game, win or lose. Hey, you got this. Hey, great job. And it has trickled down. And when you get these girls on campus and they're seeing that the football coach is coming over on your official visit and hanging out with you, that means a lot to them. And it's going to start growing. And I'll, I will say this, it's perfect timing that they bring that 22 and 23 class in because OU is about to join the conference here in a couple of years. Yeah, and that, that was just really – I've mentioned this on the pod before, but one thing about Coach Dyfel is I, I really appreciated that, which, you, of course, you helped set this up when she uh, gave my cousin – my little cousin is 11 years old, and for her 11th birthday, she gave a shout-out to her. Said her, you know, like, hey, Sarah Kate, happy birthday, all this stuff. And Sarah Kate's a diehard softball fan. She plays on competitive – she plays for the Arkansas Flex. Probably going to be a D1 softball player. She's really, really good. Really good center fielder. And that was just really cool because this was not like the off season. This was like right around the time that they were about to start the the postseason, like the SEC tournament yep. the postseason. So it's not like it was the off season, and she was not quite as busy. She took time out of her day to do that. That's just kind of the person that she is. I think that's what the kind of – I mean, even Hunter Juracek took time to be on here. We know that he's going to take time to be on radio shows and speak at conventions, but he even came on here with us, which was which was pretty cool and stuff. But, yeah, and and Coach Dyfel on the, on the field is continuing to do things. I know that – We'd had a disappointing ending to the the Super Regionals, but just to get that far, that was the only the second time, I think, in school history that they've done that. So yeah. just continuing to build a dynasty here, and that's where it all begins. We always talk about recruiting. Sam Pittman talks about it. Eric Musselman's talking about it. And Eric Musselman's recruiting at as high of a level as we've ever seen for basketball. I know that Nolan did really well in the early 90s there in particular, but I want to talk about the women's basketball team now who we've also done a really good job in recruiting, getting some transfers in coach. You know, it's not just Musselman that uses the transfer portal. Well, neighbors has done it well with starting with Chelsea Dungy, Amber Ramirez, which Amber Ramirez is going, which I've always loved the way that you compared this, you know, she's going to be kind of your chief now and you're going to have a bunch of girls that she's going to be leading 
and that that's the role that she's going to have this year. Last year it was kind of her and Chelsea, and we had a bunch of other a bunch of other leaders on this team too last year to a, a disappointing season in, in the NCAA tournament. But uh, then that game against Wright State, but. I think that this is good that we're a young team in the sense that, look, they know that they can look to the girls like Amber Ramirez, to Michaela Daniels, even to Aaron Barnum, even though she wasn't a starter, she played a lot of key minutes. There, there's plenty of girls on this team that have tons of talent that, yes, we're probably going to have some growing pains, but then you look at the new, a newcomer like Jersey Wolfenberger or also uh, what's, what's Sasha's last name that came from Oregon State? Go for it. Go for, yeah, Sasha, go for it. Yeah. Another native NWA, Arkansas girl there, so – that's going to be really huge. And so what were some things that you took away from media day uh, on Wednesday as uh, you attended that? Uh, Coach Neighbors said right now he's got nine girls that all think they could start for his squad right at this moment. And I believe, I mean, and the, the growth of Michaela Daniels, listening to her talk today and really coming out of her shell, you know, it's kind of like what we said about Amber Ramirez when we talked to her last year. And then when she decided to come out, come back to Arkansas the, the next year and just how much she grew as a person and just the interviews and stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, you're going to have another guard, Samara Spencer, freshman. Coach Neighbors said he she was the surprise of the offseason because they didn't really get to see her much because she was in Florida. But she said that she, he, she could come in and even start a few games or even come in in place of Michaela Daniels, and he said – they could even come in and play at the same time. And then you got Alana Eaton coming back off the uh, injury from last year. Then he told us that Miriam Dowda, that she's released next week to practice. And, and uh, you know, depending on the doctors, her family's decision, what's best for her, we might even see her next year. So it, it was funny. He said something today that, you know, Miriam was out there. And when Jersey has to give her a high five, she has to jump to touch her hand and they're both six, four. So, I mean, that just tells you, you could, you could line up their front line and he's, he said, he's going to play more zone. You could line up all his girls from side to side. There's just that much length. You add Jersey in there that's six, five. And like, I mean, she's almost like a, a Kevin Durant type player. She's really tall, lanky, but she can handle the rock, but I'm really excited about this team. I'm really excited to see, you know, you also got uh, Marquisha. You know, she's going to have a breakout year. Barnum, you know, she's been that rebounding dog for um, coming in, you know, to fill the void of Taylor Thomas. But also, they went and scrimmaged Kansas, uh, like kind of like just go over there and, and, and link up and scrimmage them. And the coach gave Coach Neighbors a, a, a praise on his rebounding, which he's never heard, like with this team. So you're going to see more rebounds. You're going to see a little bit slow down. They did move the three-point line back to the same as the men, so you're going to see a little bit of a, a difference in there too. But, man, I'm just – if these girls can gel and play together, this is going to be a very, very dangerous team. Yeah, and I think both the men's and women's, just like we saw with the men's last year, there's going to be some growing pains, particularly in the non-con. And I think that length is one thing – we discussed that many times – last year on this show was that like there was it wasn't talent that the girls were lacking but there were some games particularly i think kentucky porter and 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 tennessee and obviously south carolina 
th- those were the games. Did we, did we play South Carolina? I know we played A&M. Do I can't remember if we played South Carolina South or not. Yeah, yeah, you we played did. South Carolina. But, they, they just got out-rebounded Yeah, that, that, and those were the, the games. Yeah, and then the Kentucky, That I think her name was Ryan Howard from Kentucky. Yep, Ryan and Howard. That, yep. that was one that just we, we got – Pretty much just killed uh, on the glass because we. Well, didn't you got a Leah Boston out of South Carolina. Oh man, she's, she's back. awesome. I mean, yeah, the, she's really good. What I wanted to add is too is like he said that th- this squad he's got is probably the deepest, most talented team, and they look like an SEC team. Like when I would go up to the games, you would see teams like Texas A and M and Tennessee come in, and they were tall, lanky. Even even the bench role players, you know, they're six two, six three, six four. So it's nice to see what Arkansas's got, and they look like an SEC squad. We got some breaking news here that's actually not going to be breaking news, but once we uh, drop this, of course, but Isaiah Sategna has officially switched from the Raz- from uh, Oregon to the Razorbacks. Wow. So please respect my decision, all hogs. So, again, once this <laughs> oh, drops, man. this will no longer be breaking news, but uh, – as of now, the Isaiah Sategna switches his commitment for the third time, going from A&M to Oregon to Arkansas now. So, uh, man, we just got some speed <laughs> there on the wow. outside. Yeah. Uh, he has been absolutely killing it uh, for Fayetteville this year. I think he's actually leading the team in, in receptions. So, uh, that's that's huge for the Razorbacks. That goes without saying. Yeah, that a big get. I mean, and they were wanting him for a long time, and it was the track. He wanted to go to the track and do both, you know, and that's why he was kind of leaning towards Texas A&M because I think there was a, a coach down there that knew him or they had some kind of connection with the, the coaching staff down there at Texas A&M, and I think he'd left. So then he switched and was going to Oregon. But, man, for him to come back home, and I know when you're a Fayetteville kid and your campus is right next to Arkansas's campus, you know, it it's – it's hard. You're torn. You're like, man, do I really want to go to a school that's literally right next door to my campus? You know, some kids want to go off and we've talked about this, I think earlier in the summer about it, you know, just some kids that go to Fayetteville, they want to go experience college. And that's where, when I went to college, I went away from, you know, cause everybody was going to Arkansas tech or, or, or West art. It's now UFAS, but you kind of wanted to go somewhere else that nobody else did. And, I don't know if guys that he knows coming on squad finally talked him into, you know, really showing him what he could be here at Arkansas. And he's also coming to a world-class track program as well. Yeah, this is the big one was the track program, I know. And, uh, yeah, his dad resigned in March. It was an assistant coach there, and um, I think since 2018. But I'll tell you, man, I really think that this might be just a reflection of of Kenny Guyton. Now, Justin Stepp, I know, and him had a pretty good relationship, but – Kenny Guyton comes in and flips Quincy McAdoo from Florida State to Arkansas, and, and I know that he probably had a big uh, impact on this, so that's that's huge. We didn't think that there was any chance, especially after he decommitted from Texas A&M, and then his picks, and once he did that, he picked his final two at, with USC and Oregon. I, I don't think there was uh, many people that were given the, the Razorbacks the slightest chance, but... Yeah, we just picked up some some big time speed there, and so, but staying on the football front here, uh, I do want to just kind of touch on before we take a break, and then uh, Cabo previews the game. I, I want to touch on one the decision that I was very excited about that I think a lot of fans are going to be excited about, and that's Dominique Johnson getting the start at running back. I think it is well deserved. Look, I know Traylon Smith is the is the season back, but he just hasn't really had it as of late. Coming off a of bye week, you're getting through some bumps and some bruises kind of figuring out, cleaning up a few things offensively, defensively, even on special teams too. But 
you know, Porter, he's got 39 carries this year. He's averaging over seven yards per carry. I think right now that there's no question that he's got to be our number one back, and that's just great to see. They're already getting the ball to Traylon Burks because he's our best player. You know you got to do that. But I think that they're making the best decision for this team to put Dominique back there at running back since he has been your best back so far. Yeah, and it's it's just it's the thing where it's kind of like last year, you know, when uh, Hudson Clark had that big game and they put him on scholarship. You know, you're rewarding somebody for their work. Grant Morgan, walk on to an All-American. This is the same kind of deal. The dude's been a workhorse. He didn't just have, like, two great breakout games. We, we fell in love with the guy, gave him all the praise. This dude has come to work every single game. And that's – you talking about somebody who Sam Pittman's going to fall in love with, like, when it comes to a football player. You come, you bring your work pill – to the football field and you put in work every day and they have three to four backs that they switch in. You know, it's so easy to get out of that rhythm of, well, am I going in this series? Well, I might get two carries, then I'm out and then not my play for a quarter. So for the, be in that situation and sit there and produce, Oh yeah, he's definitely deserved, you know, that running back spot. Yeah. And I'm just glad to see it because I, even if he would have been the number two, I, it's no question that him and Rocket Sanders have been our most consistent ones as of late. And so it's looked like it's going to be two freshmen back there. I guess he's a Dominique's a red shirt freshman. And then of course, Rocket is a true freshman, but that's great for the future. But also, I mean, to have young guys able to contribute like that, we haven't had that since, oh gosh, probably two, two guys, both being freshmen, I guess, Alex Collins. And I think uh, Jay will was a sophomore. So really, maybe two freshmen. Uh, now I'm not. I'm not saying that they're going to be the next D Mac and Felix, but that's the last time that I think we saw two freshmen heavily contributing as your one and your two. So that's really good to see. And you're also, you know, man, if you know, if we can get guys like Keytron Jackson involved, he's got all the looks that you want there. But to get get him maybe as a number two, as a number two receiver right there behind Traylon, because you haven't really had people step up consistently. You've had. Warren Thompson show flashes. You've had Tyson Morris show flashes. Now, I know Davion Warren's coming off that injury, and he hasn't really been the same, but get a Keytron Jackson there. Get Hudson Henry going. I think these next four games, Porter, I mean, this is for this is maybe the most important matchup of, of five and three teams that we have this week because this could be the difference in a trip to possibly Tampa or then like a lower-tier bowl like the Music City Bowl and in and, and Nashville. So – Mississippi State, look, I know I've been down on them. I know I, I dog Mike Leach all the time, but I got to give them some credit. I mean, they're the only team in the country with three wins over teams in the top 20, the college football playoff poll. And they're yep. actually running the ball now, which we hardly see from Mike Leach. They're actually not being stubborn and just throwing. So this is, I, I'm a little bit more scared of Mississippi State this week than I normally am. And their quarterback, man, he just looks so comfortable back in that pocket. I mean, yeah. he's making short, quick, crisp passes. I mean, and like you said, I mean, they're coming up and everybody's taking them, you know, just lightly. They they were dead a, a month ago. And, and But you look at Arkansas's rise and fall, and this is a very important game for Arkansas. I mean, they died to get back on track. I mean, this is – and it's crazy how we've said this almost every week. This is the most important game of the season. But if they want to make a run, it, it starts at home. You want to win your home games. It, it starts at home uh, against Mississippi State because you, you got LSU, Alabama, Missouri, you know, left on the schedule. And if you want to make a serious push for a, a good bowl game, I mean, it's, it's crazy. 
crazy as this college football season's been. I mean, you don't want to be in the lower tier of of the SEC because you more than likely you're going to be like in Memphis or, or down there in Louise at Shreveport or some other ball. But yeah, they got to get back on track, get their offense going, and, and really for their defense. I mean, if you if that defense comes out and proves that it can stop a, a legit offense like Mississippi State. That that's going to be key for them finishing this this series, these last four games strong. Yeah, and you definitely have to think that two and two is certainly a reason, especially when you think of how down LSU is. I mean, they didn't even have enough guys to freaking practice, and they're just in complete dismay. Missouri's not looking good whatsoever. They have not had a good year, and you you, you should have a chance against Mississippi State. It's at home now, Alabama. I think that definitely everybody's probably counting us out of that one, but you still got a legit chance at getting eight wins, no question. At, at, at minimum seven, and then maybe eight with the bowl. And so I, I feel really good about where we're at. I still do. Um, I, I definitely, um, you know, I, once we started four and zero, I started to drink the Kool Aid after I wasn't at all, and I was thinking it might be it might get up there to nine wins possibly. That's not going to happen. I mean, I guess you could if you win three out of your last four and then get the bowl win, but I just don't see that happening. So. But I definitely feel good about this week. Uh, well, actually, I, I don't feel as good about this week as I do against the uh, the following week against LSU because they play, I think, Alabama before they play us. So that bodes well. Um, and then before uh, we play LSU and then play Bama the next week. So, well, uh, before we hit a break, I definitely got to bring up a man that was very, very dear to me, that was very dear to the state of Arkansas, and just not just the ones up in the Northeast where he was from that, that he coached at, but – Don the General Campbell, he passed away on Monday after a long battle with cancer. A uh, gentleman that I've become very good friends with over the last year. My podcast, Gridiron Icons, Arkansas's Greatest High School Coaches. The very first episode uh, was featured. He, he was in the inaugural one and uh, one that uh, I definitely treasure a lot more now that he's no longer with us. But what a giant uh, in in high school football. I, I know that even some people outside of Arkansas definitely knew who he was. A guy that had probably about a half page of his playbook. Pretty much was he was known for the twenty-seven trap, but he he ran about the simplest offense that you could think of, and still had two hundred and fifty-seven wins, which ranks eighth all time right now in one state, twice, sixteen conference championships at uh, all, and both of his championships, of course, being at Win, and then he also coached at Corning and Sheridan. Porter, the biggest, I think, the craziest stat for me. When he took over Sheridan, they were on a 27-game losing streak, 14-64-1 and over the last eight years. He goes 7-3-1 and his first year. The next year goes 11-1, and wins a district championship. Uh, one of the craziest turnarounds and just uh, an icon in this business, a, a just incredible human being, and uh, I know meant so much to so many in this state. Man, he, he, he was one of them that you remember him just as much as what he was as a coach as he was as a person, I never, you know, being over in the Northwest part of the state, I always couldn't wait to hear him after the Friday night game on drive time sports, you know, and, and Randy Rainwater coining the phrase, the general and, and hearing him talk about the game. And, you know, it was, I can't remember who was mentioned in it, but they were talking about, there'd always be an over under on how many times would they throw the ball when he would call in. He, how many times would they throw the ball that game? Sometimes it'd be three, two, three. Sometimes they wouldn't pass the ball at all but I mean that's what a legend is somebody who touches you on on the aspect of a coach but yet they mean just as much to you off the field that they did on and that's what makes people like him 
that that he'll impact people's lives that will never even have met him because his players, the players' kids, and they'll always be able to carry that legacy that they knew him like like you, you know, how you formed a relationship with him and talked to him and stuff through your other podcasts, you know. And, and when we started this, the podcast, your idea of it, I told you it's going to be a hit because you're going to make an impact. You're going to give these coaches a chance to, you know, tell their story because there's nothing like it. And so it builds your bond. So it's it, it's crazy, like – the purpose of things, you know, the purpose of that podcast, look what you've been able to do with getting these forms, these relationships with him and how he's affected your life. Yeah, he definitely has. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I've, I've, I guess over the last 10, 11 months, I've talked a good bit with him. I'd call and check up on him and it turned in what I, what I would think would be a five to 10 minute conversation would turn into about 45 minutes plus. And I'm thankful that it did uh, because I'm telling you, it was, you just don't know when, People are not going to be with us uh, when they're not going to be with us anymore. And, and thankful for as long as we, we did have him for as long as we did. And so great man uh, who left an incredible legacy. And so we're up against a break up next coach Cabo will preview the Mississippi state game uh, with Stefan Kreznik from the Northeast daily Northeast Mississippi daily journal. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the hog talk podcast, part of believe podcast and the buzz radio network. Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Welcome back to episode 226 of the Hog Talk Podcast. I'm Kevin Bohannon, and with me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is Stefan Kreisnick of the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Welcome, Stefan. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Got a good game this weekend. Mississippi State comes in ranked number 17th in the latest college football playoff poll. Seems to be a a banner, I would say a banner year, considering where Mississippi State was picked at the beginning of the season. Things seem to be going well in Starkville. Yeah, it's it's been an impressive turnaround these past couple of weeks for Mississippi State. You know, after an early season where where they lose to Memphis and lose to LSU, and they're sitting at two and two with a pretty tough schedule ahead. Things weren't looking so great for Mississippi State. Then they pick up that upset win at Texas A&M, and ever since then things have been looking pretty good. Aside from that loss against Alabama, which you know is what it is at this point. <laughs> um, that, that's just kind of, kind of what people are expecting with Alabama and Georgia at this point of the season, I think. But um, you know, last couple of weeks, Mississippi State's looked good. They ran past Vandy, which is a little bit expected, but then um, dominated against a, a pretty good Kentucky team there. So, you know, at five and three, Mississippi State's, you know, bowl eligibility is definitely going to be there with, with Tennessee State still on the schedule. Looking at these games against Arkansas, Auburn, and Ole Miss, uh, it, it feels like Mississippi State has a little bit more to play for than, than maybe people thought at this point of the season. 
Yeah, all of a sudden, Ole Miss, uh, they were 5-1 and one at one point in the top 10. Uh, they're having some issues down there as far as, you know, health and injuries concerned. Auburn, they're, they're playing a lot better than what people expected. Brian Horson seems to have their ship going right. Uh, so it, it's kind of – they're all 50-50 games in my opinion. That's why we kind of looked at it down the stretch for Arkansas was, okay, Alabama you're going to lose to. Everybody else is kind of 50-50 based on where you're playing at because LSU is they, – they've pretty much melded in right <laughs> at this point. So <laughs> um, what, what's been the biggest change since, uh, you know, those first four games – uh, and that now you're four and one in your last five. What's been the biggest difference? Yeah, I think it, it's everything that Mike Leach kind of harped on, um, you know, last season at the beginning of this season is that, you know, in his offense and, and especially with a young team in his offense, a young roster, um, you know, it, it really is repetition and game experience. And I think we're seeing at least, you know, even from a, a mental approach and, and, and that aspect of the game, Mississippi State's playing a lot more like a veteran team now than it was at the beginning of the season. And, and that for fans, maybe it's a little bit annoying because that requires patience and waiting and nobody wants to do that. Um, but, but that's really how it's turned out is that, you know, this team has kind of grown up in real time and they're getting comfortable in this offense. You know, the receivers are starting to learn how to run their routes the way they're supposed to be run. And, and they're learning how to attack this defense, especially, you know, with, with Will Rogers, how he's grown as a quarterback. It's kind of the annoying answer, and it's kind of the coach answer. But but Mississippi State's growing up um, as as the season progresses, and you know if you're a Mississippi State fan, you're looking at this saying, "All right, you know we're, we're good with you know a few games left to go this season, but with a lot of players coming back next season too, it's kind of get, uh, setting up for a pretty well uh, pretty well played off season for Mississippi State." And the biggest thing with this offense is making sure ball security. And, the, of course, when you hear the term ball security, a lot of people think in terms of running the ball, holding onto the ball, which in, in the air raid offense, it, it's yak. It's yards after catch and making sure the receivers hold onto the ball. I, I want to go to the what you said about the receivers, making sure they can run the routes. The, the air raid offense is different in the fact of the quarterback is throwing to a spot. They're, they're throwing to an open zone. So it, you think it, the more repetitions that these guys are getting, whether it be during the week or in game, that's what's taking them to the next level in this offense? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, 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 and it's noticeable, too. I mean, if, if you've watched, you know, Mississippi State from where they were, you know, maybe not week one last year because that LSU game was definitely an outlier with the 600-plus passing guards. That's a bit of an outlier. But let's say week two last year when they played Arkansas, um, to, to where they are now, I mean, the receivers, it, it seems like every time Will Rogers is throwing the ball, someone is wide open. If it's not down the field, then it's on that check down. And, and, and it is, like you said, it's, it's the receivers learning how to find those open spots in the zones because those spots are there. You know, even when a team drops eight, th there's openings somewhere on the field. And the receivers are starting to do a good job of not only running their route, but running their, running their route effectively uh, against what that defense presents. That's what's kind of come with the repetition, and the results are definitely showing. Yeah, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. You really saw it against Kentucky in that game that Mississippi State's defense really kind of stepped up. Uh, who are some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball that you'll hear their names called this weekend? Yes, it starts with the linebackers, and I know Sam Pittman gave them some praise in his uh, opening statement earlier this week. Um, you know, Tyra Sweet, Aaron Brule, Jet Johnson, Nathaniel Watson, uh, you know, four guys that kind of rotate there in, in the three, uh, three linebacker set. Um, you know, they, they do a good job of playing in pass protection, but they also do a really good job of bringing pressure as well. So they're, they're kind of everything you'd want from linebackers in the sense of they're pretty versatile 
uh, and what they can do uh, against an offense. So you gotta you gotta look at the linebackers first. After that, you got Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes. They're a pair of cornerbacks. Uh, Martin Emerson was was the player in that Kentucky game that was out after three plays due to a targeting call. He's likely going to be a, a first round pick, maybe a maybe an early second round pick. Um, you know, teams don't really throw his way, way very much. So uh, then they start going towards Emmanuel Forbes on the other side. Um, and he's done a good job in breaking up passes, getting interceptions. So, you know, it's, it's it's not a great alternative having to throw his way. But when Martin Emerson's on the other side, it's only the really choice uh, you have. So in terms of strength, that's what I would say is, is the linebackers and the corners. Uh, in, in terms of some weaknesses they have is definitely in, in, uh, at, at safety. There's been a lot of breakdowns this year that have cost Mississippi State. I mean, you can go through the stats of almost every game and, it, it, you know, let's say they give up 200 yards, um, you know, like 100 of them will come off with three plays or something like that, or it's just big plays that have kind of hurt them, um, particularly maybe in that LSU game earlier this season, kind of felt like they were giving up 40-yard touchdowns like it was nothing. Um, so, so that's definitely the weakness of that safety and kind of those breakdowns. Um, but overall, it's been a pretty good unit. They've the, that game against LSU that I mentioned, and then obviously the forty-nine points they gave up against Alabama might probably skew their stats um, a little worse than the defense actually is. I, I think it's a pretty good unit. They run the three-three-five uh, pretty well, and, and when the safeties aren't breaking down in the secondary, it's it's a tough unit to go up against. And the, and that's a big thing in the three-three-five. Of course, you you have those hybrid hybrid guys that are your safety because you're three you're playing a three safety shell so you it, it's a tough personnel package to figure out and i mean you, you can agree or disagree but making sure you have the right three safeties out there because you you got your what what, what i used to call it a star who's your hybrid then you have your free and your strong so making sure you have that right personnel out there is the biggest thing uh are they recruiting to that now or is it just kind of put it in there and, and hope it works yeah, I think it's kind of a, a mix of both. I mean, they certainly are recruiting toward it and, and trying to get that because I feel like most coaches now are starting to kind of have that that hybrid type approach, even if it's not particularly in the three three five. Like every school calls it something different. I'm pretty sure. Um, I've covered Indiana in the past, and they've you know I don't even remember what they call it. I think they call it like a, a husky <laughs> or something like that. I mean, every, every school calls it something different. So they they certainly are now in terms of Zach Garnett specifically. You know that. He's going to start garnering some some national attention. He interviewed for the LSU defensive coordinator job last year. So, you know, that that's kind of the tough part is, you know, in a few years, they're likely going to be getting a new defensive coordinator, if not this offseason or probably the next few. Um, so that kind of makes it difficult from the recruiting sense of you don't know what the defensive scheme is going to be moving forward. Um, but, but, you know, for for the most part. Um, they'd probably want someone to come in with a, with a similar scheme. And, and you know that coach probably going to have that bulldog, star, husky, hybrid, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, so it's definitely something that they're recruiting towards. And, and now that you, you mentioned that, we're, we're talking about it. Um, Fred Peters is the guy from Mississippi State who kind of plays that position. He was out in that game against Kentucky. He's more of a safety, um, but, but like you said, it, it's a bit more of a hybrid and um, he was out against that Kentucky game. His status is, is uncertain just because Mike Leach doesn't really talk about um, injuries. So um, it's going to be pretty important to see if he plays in this Arkansas game. That's something to watch for. Good stuff. We're talking with Stephen Kreisick from the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Uh, Stephen, every week we have an opposing reporter come on, uh, and we ask them what they think the outcome of the game is going to be. Uh, some have given a score. Some haven't. Uh, but we want to know what you think about the weekend game and uh, Saturday night when the dust has settled, who's winning, uh, who's won, and uh, what's the score? 
Yeah. Um, so this will be good news for Arkansas fans in the sense that I've been wrong in almost every prediction <laughs> against Mississippi State this year. I mean, they've been one of the most difficult teams to figure out. And, and I usually predict a close game because that's usually what Mississippi State plays. Um, but, but good news for Arkansas fans is I, I picked Mississippi State to win this game 30 to 27. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I think Arkansas is favored by maybe, what, four or five points. Yeah. Um, so, so somewhere in that range is, is what it's going to be. Um, you know, I just think the Mississippi State offense is clicking right now, and I think the defense is doing its part. Uh, they got a little bit of momentum. Um, you know, I, I think Arkansas is a good team, but I'd be interested to see how they kind of respond after the bye week. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with, with, with Arkansas fans. And I, I'm more of the realist of the bunch. I, I'm, I'm not uh, – we, we don't blow <laughs> a lot of sunshine and rainbow farts on, on here. So I, I'm interested to see if Georgia really did break this team. Right. And, you know, that they kind of struggled against Ole Miss and it was just a shootout. And then Auburn was just bad from the get go. So uh, I'm with you. I, I'm interested to see what happens. I think Mississippi State, the momentum is in their favor right now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens come Saturday. You never know what can happen in, in a road game, especially in Fayetteville. Who yeah, it, similar, it's the fans. It, with, yeah. Uh, Similar with Kentucky there of uh, Mississippi State got Kentucky after Georgia kind of broke them. So maybe yeah. maybe, uh, maybe Mississippi State <laughs> is scheduling all this at the right times. <laughs> That's right. Well, Stefan, man, I greatly appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about the Bulldogs with us so uh, we can give our fans a, a glimpse of what to expect this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to, to being in Fayetteville this weekend. going to be a good game. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.